as she mounts me, I can feel the wetness between her legs, the drive for animalistic sex, the raw penetration, the licking, the biting, the choking, bringing to orgasm, the coming. That versus realizing our concept of self and the deletion of such to realize your connection with all living things, realizing that in a physical space in which that you're naked body to body with them and feeling the intense heat between you and her, feeling that there's nothing else in the world that matters, that this is the world, that you are the world together, that you feel the universe within each other. Welcome my friends to what's going to be a very powerful session on sex, love, spiritual connection, forming an understanding of your masculine to feminine dynamic, the polarity between human beings on this eternal thread, this eternal wheel that we find ourselves on in order to endeavor to bring the best of ourselves, develop supreme excellence and give the gift of the best experience to another. This is going to be a continuation of this saga that's happened between me and a young woman that for a long time followers of this our podcast would have seen first episode one and two, animalistic sex versus deep love and episode two, how to heal a broken heart, which detailed the first two parts of our journey, in which that there was an intense love born between us, a love I'd not experienced in a long time and a destruction of said love, which I'd never experienced in my entire life. And so I did say I was going to continue and make a part three someday, but that day is today because over the last 24 hours, there has been a tremendous development in the story between her and I as I found myself uh, waking up in bed with her this morning. Today is going to be a very sexually explicit session, as were the as was the first episode of this saga. Uh, so putting that there right now, also need to put this right here right now, which is that my original camera, the GH5, has blown itself up. So yes, the camera looks a little bit different, and I'm going to have to reset the camera every 12 or 10 minutes or so, because this camera doesn't have an extended timer, just like old days, just like at the beginning of the podcast. So please understand, bear with so we're going to begin things here with a bit of a recap just of episode one, episode two, without going into too much detail, but to give you a brief synopsis of what actually happened between her and I. Her name was Sarah, fake name, which we've been using throughout the entire sesh, uh, early to mid-twenties, Caucasian girl, uh, beautiful, kitten-like, uh, not only in physicality, but also in her spiritual energy as what I had first thought, and then things went horribly, destructively wrong after that. But... Today's session may help to recorrect my perception of that. So basically, in episode one just detailed how we met, which was originally at a freedom rally here in South Australia, but then connect, bumped into each other on the beach, went out on our, in quotes, first day together, first experience, it was really just a walk, catch up. There's something interesting about her, hugged her a little too long, and then we decided a week and a half later that we meet up for an actual date experience. And so that was sunset at the beach, moon, moon and stars literally holding there on the sand, kissed her, fireworks, calm fireworks as I described it, Went back to her place, met the roommates, first sexual experience together, but paused it before sexual penetration because I felt like uh, things were going too fast here. We didn't need to progress this any faster than we needed to. And so after that, another day went through Botanic Gardens, back to my place, what we thought was going to be our first sexual penetration experience, but then realizing as I looked into her eyes that I felt a deep spiritual connection to her, a deep spiritual love, which I had not felt in a very, very long time as someone who had been in open relationships for the last six or seven years. And so I was really feeling a bit of a conflict between this sexual animalistic drive, which I would normally have, versus just this want for caressing, comforting, caring love, uh, which was a bit of a rekindling for something within myself, which I had not desired from a woman in a really long time. And so I found myself in this kind of conflict about, I didn't even really want to have sex. Like it wasn't even turning on for me. Not that she wasn't turned on a bull. And then having to discuss that with her and then her on the same night at the end of the bed telling me about her sexual abuse, her, the trauma she's been through uh, briefly and why she finds it hard to communicate emotions. So that that all happened. We work it out. We end up just lying together naked, joining the two together, the spiritual love, the animalistic sex, 
put it together an amazing we spent all night together having some of the best sex uh not only penetratively but of course spiritually the orgasms upon orgasms that happened in terms of not only physically but spiritually so that was that's basically the recap of episode one episode two how all that got destroyed so episode two began with yes my father passing away and there was the crescendo of my love with her in which that we had been together for three months at that point still in an open relationship but neither of us seeing anyone else really and just just trying to hold back the reins as, as i think i described in that episode on the love that was burgeoning between us and so made a uh, a birthday dinner her birthday dinner on the night that my father passed away found out early that morning but either way she was there for me i was standing underneath the porch light and she held me as she was the first human being in my own circle to have found out, other than my family, of course, that my father had passed away that night. Uh, we spent a, lot, a long, long time talking with each other, and it was also the first night after that that she told me that she was in love with me, as I'd fallen in love with her or being able to verbalize that a lot sooner than she was, probably about two or three weeks in advance. Anyways, so it was the crescendo of our love. From every day after that, she got colder and colder and colder, pulled away for events that were happening within her life, uh, which I later came to find out was something to do with her family at the time. There was an event, a bit of a blow up at her birthday. And that was about as much as I got to find out. As we went through the funeral process, she just showed what appeared to me just disdain, neglect, uh, for no apparent reason, would stop responding to my messages and sent a bit of a what I would refer to as an underwhelming slash disrespectful message on the actual funeral night after having seen my post on Instagram about it. And with something that just seems, yeah, underwhelming to be, to say the least. You can go back to the episode to find out what all, all, all that was about. And I didn't hear from her after that night. And I sent a couple messages to check in to see if she was okay. And then finally, and tried to call, she didn't pick up. And then finally had to send a full voice message, 15 minute voice message, just forcing closure essentially, just telling her exactly how I felt, exactly the pain she'd put me through with this, uh, inconceivable level of human behavior and treatment from someone who was deeply madly in love with you to all of a sudden for no apparent reason because I had, there was no seeming reason that I had done anything to her. And when you later find out in today's session as to the full explanation of it because that's what today's session is going to be a large part about. But at that time, there was no explanation. And so I, of course, always held the love, peace and joy as I discussed in episode two, held the light, always kept the door open as I said at the end of that voice message uh, if she ever wanted to come back and explain things to me. But so that was, in terms of the time frame. dad's funeral was like early June, bit of disconnected cons between her and I and the disconnection after that. So really the last time I connected with her or tried to communicate with her was late June. And that brings you fully up to speed. It gives you like a little couple minute explanation to transition us perfectly into today's session. <laughs> This podcast is brought to you by BoldDojo.com, where you can book one-on-one coaching with myself in order to create action plans, overcome limiting beliefs, destroy negative self-perceptions, and egoic attachments. Have a listening ear to the trials of your life, helping you to move forward. You can also sign up for the free weekly email newsletter, The Bold Sip. It's just a quick sip of social dynamics and anything I'm exploring on Fridays. Just go to BoldDojo.com, sign that up. You can also hit up the free resources of wisdom, where I drop my favorite books, movies, quotes, anime, documentaries, music, all of that all at bulldojo.com and if you would like to help support this podcast you can donate anything that you wish through the paypal link paypal.me forward slash adamoi link is down below in the description 
or you can also donate directly through the website also linked down in the description anything that you guys do donate is always extremely appreciated and just goes back to helping support the show and what i do here so thank you very much and if you do get anything from this piece of content please let me know in a comment down below i'll do my best to get back to you as soon as possible and also please drop a thumbs up on the video it just helps the youtube algorithm helps send out the video to more people in the community and if you find that you resonated share over a friend who you think would resonate as well let's get into today's show <laughs> So it had been about two months since the last moment I just discussed in terms of the last voice message I had sent her, had not seen her physically, had not heard from her, she didn't even respond to the voice message. And then it was two months later, about mid to early August, I would say, because it was just before my birthday, in which that I was walking down the beach on my regular sunset evening walk. It's winter, it's cold, but there's a nice sunset going down. And who do I see walking towards me? Sarah. Fake name, of course, if I haven't already mentioned that. If you listen to episode one, we used to bump into each other serendipitously on the beach all the time. She lives close by and I had not seen her on the beach in many, many months. And obviously she'd been actively avoiding it. Didn't know why, but obviously had first time I'd seen her and I'm feeling like a little bit of like, this can't be real going through my mind because throughout these months of having to contend with the endless questioning of if there was something that I did wrong or even though I was pretty sure that I wasn't, what could possibly be going on in her life? And then having to let go of all that and realize that that line of questioning is no longer going to serve because how can your heart heal if you're always holding on to the past? It must let go in order to move forward. So you're working through all these principles and it's a process to be able to heal over this pain, this broken heart. And then finally, months later, we get to August and I see her walking towards me and the moment finally arrives in which that I finally get a chance potentially to get closure. Not that that's what's going and I already given myself closure, but to get the other 50, the other perspective of what this could be to really confirm my closure, if you will which is uh, always great, always nice. But as I discussed in episode two, not always necessary. Not necessary because you can force closure upon yourself. So not that any of this is going through my mind as I say her towards me. All I'm feeling is that this is just super surreal that I'm seeing her walk towards me. She comes up to me. She's smiling. She's very happy, a little bit above average happy considering what's happened between us, considering she hasn't spoken to me or responded to anything I've said in the last, uh, going back two months or so. And also the fact that the last time we physically saw each other, we were technically in love at that time. Like we were in love in that time. At least I thought we were. So this is very strange the way that she's coming up so happy to me. But as I said to myself and been preparing myself, I'd always keep the door open. So I just treat her very neutral. I treat her very chill. I still hug her and I still inquire about her, how you been? And pretty much right off the bat after we just kind of get over there, hey, what have you been up to? You know, talk shit for the first five seconds. I say, do you want to go for a walk? And you want to talk? And she's like, yep, absolutely. As if she was like prepared. I'm like, okay, let's go. So we start walking and she just barrels in to the fact that her and her family have completely separated and parted ways. Parted ways in which that there was, if you go back to episode two, some turmoil happening. There was some event between her parents happening at her birthday event. It was a bit of a blow up, but we didn't know much more than that. But it turns out that, well, actually, they didn't give her much explanation as to why they were angry at her. They're just angry at her for some reason. I don't know the reason. She didn't know the reason that she's explaining to me. But basically what she did to me, her family did to her. So the way that she just kind of froze me out, her family was now doing that to her for no apparent reason. There was no justification for it as to very similar to how she did it to me. So isn't that interesting? I'm hearing this as we're walking down the beach together. And as she's talking about this, I'm like, this seems oddly familiar. It's like the way that your family has just shut you out of their lives and, you know, kind of chewed her out on the phone, which is a little bit different to what happened between her and I. She just wouldn't talk to me at all. But 
you know, it's very interesting. There's some analogy happening here, but I'm not saying it. I'm just letting her reel it out, get it all out. We walk for about 10 to 15 minutes and she describes this entire family situation and what she was feeling throughout that, like basically uh, the chaos in her life, which is exactly what I had reached as my final conclusion, which is as to why she had just gone from Firebird to Ice Turtle Shell on me, which is that because there was no apparent reason that I did anything to her. Everything had been great between her and I. As far as I was concerned, I had to chalk it up to there must be something extraneous, something external happening outside of our relationship that caused her to change into a completely different human being. And so it turns out that it was, that her family basically just cut her off, disowned her. After 10 to 15 minutes of her explaining this, we get towards the end of a jetty and I say to her, I kind of just like stop. I kind of like slow down as I'm walking and I say to her, I don't want to say this as if, I'm trying to be combative. This is not combative at all. This is not aggressive at all. Don't worry. I've already let all of this go. And to be honest, I've already forgiven everything. But I just have to ask, did you want to talk about why you shut me out? Did you want to tell me and explain to me why it was that you froze me out of your life? I said it quite sharply in the moment, firm, I guess you should say. I'm saying it because I'm having a recall here on the podcast. It was very much more analogous to, do you want to let me know why you shut me out of your life? And I just put the full stop there. And it was almost like a bit of a relief moment for her at that point, because I feel like that first 10 to 15 minutes of her telling me about the whole breakdown between her and her family was her baby stepping her way into trying to talk to me about what happened between us and why she treated me the way she treated me. So the fact that I just had to take the step because it didn't seem like she was going to take that final step or might have was going to take a very long time. So I just had to put it to her using that direct principle we always talk about, direct and good authentic with empathy. Always talking about or leading with that direct principle, which is that I need to know, I want to know here. So are you going to tell me? And sense of relief comes over. I can feel it. And she goes, yep. Okay, here we go. So we cross over underneath the jetty and we just stop there and we're looking at the sunset and she goes on to describe that as this whole family breakdown was going on, she entered a episode of depression herself to the degree of which that she didn't even really want to get out of bed. I'm not sure if she was close to taking her life, but her reason for living her existence and passion for living was certainly not there. So her justification, and this is the hit point, this is the key money point as to why she throws me out, and just flipped on me after telling me she loved me to basically showing me that I was the person she cared least about in the world. Just cut me out. The reason why was because in her words that she didn't feel like she could give me what I was worth. She acknowledged in the moment that this was not the right way of going about it that she should have clued me in and we had discussed earlier throughout our three months together with a couple brief incidents in which that her communication was lacking and she always had this kind of shutdown mentality when things went wrong in her life. She wouldn't explain things. It only happened like briefly though, like once or twice. I didn't see it as major warning signals. I guess that was a fault on my end. Should have been a little bit more aware to it and that's the lesson I take with it. The seeds were there is what I'm trying to say. And so she acknowledged as we're here, as she's telling me that she didn't think she could give me what I was worth and that's why she backed out. That's Not even just backed out, but that's why she pushed me away and froze me out. And that she acknowledged that it was the wrong thing to do. And that 
she didn't say the word sorry. She didn't say that I'm sorry for treating you that way. But she kind of described her remorse in an indirect way of saying the pain that she felt doing it. So it's, I don't know, it's a bit wordy. It's hard to describe what that means, but it's essentially that, you know, and it's hard to get the exact words because it's a couple of months gone. It's a few months going back now. It's like uh, two months going back now. But basically, she's trying to describe that she felt horrible doing it, is basically the reasoning for it. However, it was the, that was the lesser of two pains for her because she said that even if I wanted, because I said to her, but didn't you see my messages? Didn't you see me trying to reach out to see if you care for me uh, or to see if, sorry, see showing that I care for you to see if you're alive? You know, didn't you see the voice message? And if you did, didn't you want to respond? Didn't you want to say anything? Especially because I always offered invitations for her to come and explain things. And she would say to me that, yes, I read them all and I saw it all and I heard it all, but because of the state that I was in, I wasn't even capable of responding to it. So basically, effectively communicating that she had dug herself into such a hole between her and I that there was no light or no way back up the hole. You couldn't see the light back up the hole. So for her, I guess in her way, using that analogy, it was better for her just to stay in the darkness rather than attempting, I guess, in her mind to try and climb back up the light and find her way back to light and failing, I guess. So... Anyways, this is what's happening here. I'm, I'm absorbing all this. I'm nodding along. I'm trying to drink it all in. And it's all in alignment with basically what I had thought. All of the conjecture that I was left to on my own devices to think about why she had completely frozen me out of, of a burning hot love and a deep connection between her and I was because, yes, there were things going on, extraneous things happening in her life. She was in such a poor state uh, emotionally and psychologically that she didn't feel like she could discuss that with me. Even if there was anyone she was going to discuss it with, I would have thought it would have been me. Okay, that's that's how she decided to go with it. And so the pain was caused, the destruction was caused. That was the justification for it. That was the reason for it. That, And also she offered one very interesting point as well, I might add, that she also thought, she acknowledged that this is completely unhealthy. She's not, uh, she doesn't approve of this mindset in any way, shape or form, but she did acknowledge that there's probably a part of her that was doing it treating me so poorly and cutting things off with me in order to get back at her parents because her parents are aware of my social standing here in South Australia, particularly in regards to the freedom rally, uh, the freedom movement, uh, and you know, with the, with all the COVID business and whatnot. And so they loved the fact that she was seeing me. And so I guess in a bit of, whether it was a conscious move on her part, I'm not sure if she had delineated that, but she was definitely saying for sure on a subconscious part, there's probably a part of her that because she was so mad at her parents and that they all they would have wanted and what would have made them happy was to see her with me, was to break things off with me and, so, and you know to take another joy away from them, if you will, kind of vindictive, very vindictive mindset, which she doesn't, uh, she acknowledged in the moment that she doesn't approve of and wouldn't wouldn't try to reason away, wouldn't try to excuse herself from. So even though this is a lot to take in in the moment, like hearing it for person to person, hearing, looking her in the eyes, looking, hearing her lips move, it's everything I'd always been, been preparing for. So it didn't knock me over. It's just, and I remember there were very few words on for me to respond to her. So I just said to her that there are very few words for me to respond to. So let me just respond the way that I would like to which is that I just pulled her in, gave her a deep hug. And I just held her there for some time. 
standing just next to the jetty, there were people going by, I don't care, I'm just, this is the response that I have, which is, even though you treated me so poorly, and that it's taken you two and a bit months or whatever to finally come up and tell me about it, which by the way, that's the reason why she came down to the beach that night. She specifically told me afterwards, as we continue to walk afterward, I'll move the story, the story forward after this, so I won't go through that, but basically just so you know, we went for another half an hour walk after that, just kind of talking shit. But she explained to me that the reason why she came down to the beach that night was because she finally felt ready to be able to confront me. And she always knew that I walked at the beach, at this beach, at this particular time. So even if she didn't see me at the beach, she was then going to call or text. So yeah, I just, I held her there and I just wanted to embody my compassion, my equanimity, and to show her that there was no pain. And this is the real demonstration of the principle I had been discussing in episode two how to heal a broken heart, which is that in order to move on, you must let go. And that even though this girl caused me more pain than any female has in my entire life, I'm able to stand there on the, out, on the other side, on the outer end of it, and be able to show her the same love that I once did when we were in love. You know, to just be able to hold a woman standing there who has deeply hurt you, to show her that there is no hurt hold. There is no hurt held, I should say. To be able to stand there with her and show her that there is no hurt held. That you come with empty hands. You come with an empty mind. A clear mind. Like the full moon. It was really important to establish that, not only for her, because part of the equation of social dynamics is that it's a two-part equation. We know that there's your 50, there's her 50. Everything, you can control everything she can control to make up the 100 And so I have to do it for me. I have to do it for me. I have to hold her and communicate to her that as I had said and written to her in letters, as I said to her in person that, you know, I'll always love you. And as I said in my, in those episode one and episode two, particularly episode two, that I'll always love you. Whether we were meant to be in this life together or next. In this life together or next. It's, it's showing that, really that congruency principle of that. I say what I mean and I mean what I say. I do what I say, I say what I do. And so I just stood there and held her for quite some time. And it was quite beautiful. We talked shit after that for like 30 minutes, like all times. It was quite strange. How It was strange, but she felt somewhat uh, pretty hyped up. Like I could feel that her adrenaline was running throughout uh, the time we met. Or the time we had talked there. I didn't drive her back to her car as I normally would. She decided to walk off on her own. Probably a good idea. And she said at the end, as we hugged out at the end, you know, I'll see you around. I'm sure we'll see you around soon. I'm like, yeah, okay. And that's it. So that is really the first part of stage three in which that we get the full explanation of why episode two had to happen, why the destruction, why the love had to break. And just maybe we'll reflect on the lessons later because I want to keep the story moving. Yeah, let's do that. So moving the story forward now. We bumped into each other on the beach, I think once, maybe twice more, but I think it was only once, just after my birthday. And it was just another serendipitous thing, went for a quick walk. And she just didn't really feel like I, the person I knew. Like she felt very, very different. She felt very shelled. She felt very protective in her energy. And yeah, for all the things that have been going on, you know, I guess a guy that she was in love with, but she, for her own dark reasons, had to hurt to break off with and then her family breaking up with them. So a lot of a lot of shit happening within her life there. And so she just really didn't feel like the same person to me. So I didn't feel any of those romantic connections or that sexual love or sexual spiritual connection uh, between her and I. So when we walked, it was kind of just like walking with anyone else that I walk with on the beach. 
And that brings us into today because that was, yeah, two months ago now. That was in August, just after my birthday. So we hadn't spoken in the last, basically not spoken or seen each other in the last two months prior to last night. So last night, Dallas saving switched over. So it's getting very, very late. Uh, the light stays out late. And it's about, I don't know, 6 p.m. or something. And, you know, there's bright sunlight out. And I'm at the beach. I'm reading. I'm meditating. i just done a walk. And I'm sitting there on the sand. And it's time to wrap up. So I get my shit. I'm walking off up the sand towards the rocks where the car park is. And I see Sarah. I see her walking towards me in a bright pink jumper and her tight gray leggings. Looking very cute as always. And as she comes towards me, she has a very bright spark about her. When she hugs me, she hits me with her hug. There's a lot of strength in this hug. And I remember that just, and this is last night, I remember it being abnormally strong because even in the last couple of times that we had bumped into each other on the beach, even our hugs were not particularly special. But this was like different, very different. It was, this felt like embers of the past. Embers of the past of the way that we once used to hug when we were in love. We held it for a very long time and I remember I doubled down on it once I felt that she was here for a while. When I felt she was not letting go of this hug for some minute. I doubled down on her and I, you know, somewhat picked her up as I was hugging her. And talking shit, I say, hey, what are you up to now? She says, not much. I'm like, do you want to sit? She's like, yeah, let's go. So I get the, I put the towel back down. We're down there on the sand, literally in the exact same spot that we had our first proper uh, date one where we were sitting there on the rock by the waves, looking at the sunset. We facing each other on the sand. I've got my legs V'd out. She's got her legs inside mine. And I've kind of, so for a lot of the time, it's going to be hard to describe, but she's got, imagine my legs V'd out in front of me and her legs V'd out in front of her, but her legs were on top of mine. So it's almost like, you know, like kind of like stacking cards, if you will. And so my legs are directly underneath her legs and she's rubbing my legs the entire time. We're talking, I'm rubbing her legs. And this is, um, this is, while that seems like an innocuous fact, it's like, no, not innocuous because we haven't touched each other sensually, romantically, physically like that since we were in love, since before everything had burnt down, since, well, since she had frozen me out and everything had been destroyed. So how did this come to be? As I'm reflecting on it, it's like she felt like she was in one sense, the old girl, the old Sarah that I once knew, her energy, the way about her, she was so happy. She was so free. She was so alive, so passionate about life. You see it in her eyes, her hazelnut with gold accents, eyes just shimmering in the light. And you can, I can feel that energy back to where I was first drawn to her. And so it was only natural that as I'm feeling the masculine energy rise up within me that I want to touch her. So I'm playing with her legs, I'm massaging her legs, running my thumbs along the inside of her hips. And every now and again, as we're just talking, we're sitting here in this position for like at least an hour and a half to the point where we've got dead legs at the end of it. And every now and again, I would just come in very, very close within an eyelid to each other, an eyelash to each other. And almost as if I was about to kiss her, but then not. And then just kind of nuzzle my nose into her neck and just kind of push her neck the way that a lion 
would kiss another lion. If you watch lions kissing, beautiful. You know, that neck play in a way. And it was just felt very natural to be kind of flirting with her physically, lingually. And we've really having a lot of fun. Like we're just laughing. We're talking shit. Uh, she's been on some recent trips. And as we get past all the lols and we're laughing at Indian guys on the shoreline who we have the most spectacular sunset going down, you imagine giant, giant clouds that look like teeth, like human teeth in the sky, but they're like tens of meters in depth and width and height amongst this aurora of like purple, pink, orange. And then you've got these Indian blokes that are taking selfies on the beach with their backs to the car park. <laughs> so they're taking, sorry, so with, with their faces, yeah, back to the car park. So the faces are facing the camera, which the, the only thing you could see in the back was a car park. And so we're laughing at this because it's just like, you have the most beautiful sunset. Anyways, we're making shit. We're making fun of people. There's a couple that goes by and wish that, I say, oh, that guy's got the exact same shirt as you. And she goes, Adam, that's a girl. <laughs> it really looked like a dude to me. But he's like, Adam, that, that she's got tits she's got tits i'm like a lot of guys have tits <laughs> uh i think i fucked up with that one but i didn't admit it in the moment anyways so it was all good shit is what i'm trying to paint here and the lols are great but then as things progress into the night and this is the last night i remember deeper into the night somehow we get onto the topic line the thought line of what happened in my dad's actual funeral because we never actually discussed it because that's when she broke off all comms so I told her about what it was like touching my dad's body and helping my brothers to process it as well, going through the whole experience of cleaning out the house and all that. And she's listening in and I'm noticing that that same ability for her to understand me is, is there. Just in the way, one of the primary reasons why I fell in love with her was because I felt like she saw me and understood me and wished that I had not felt from a woman in six or so years. And just her ability to listen is on tap. It's right there. Feeling this noticing this at a certain point again now using really every single principle we talk about here direct congruent authentic with empathy i feel it incumbent upon me to have to voice to her how i'm feeling i want to get the synchronicity or the chronology of these moments as accurate as possible because there's a lot to go through here but i believe the first just demonstration of this was me saying to her how do you feel about this like I drop the tone and go, how do you feel about this? Like the, the way that we're sitting, we're touching each other, the way that we're talking, that's what I'm referring to here. And I don't remember her exact words, but basically that it felt good. It felt like, it felt good to be open with me again. It felt good for her to share because actually most of the time I had mostly been listening to her, just trying to understand who this person is. Because as I said to you guys before, in our little segue moments in the preceding, sorry, Yes, preceding, yes, preceding moments, preceding months, I should say, in which we had a couple bump-ins, she didn't feel like the same person, yet this felt like the person I fell in love with, and so she felt like, so I wanted to test that, I wanted to see that across a, a decent period of time, like, give me a few hours of this person, just, just, I'll shut up and just hear them speak, hear them talk, see how they interact with me, and yeah, she just said it feels good, feels good to be open with you again, it feels good to be able to laugh with someone but then also talk about some really deep things and to have a really grounded conversation in her exact words. And then she goes, how do you feel about this? And I go, okay. So I have to do a bit of framework explanation for this, I say to her. There's something that I'm not sure whether it's appropriate or inappropriate to say to you. 
but I have to explain why. So I go on to describe to her how there are different ways of connecting with each other. You know, what we've been doing here for the first hour and a half, two hours is very verbal. It's very much tongue play, word play, seeing how each other, we interact on just the normal levels. But there's a conversation that happens and there's a way of talking to each other that require no words. And I'm not sure, and I haven't been sure how far I wanted you to enter and how deep to go into this room. And I use this analogy of in which that, especially when someone's hurt you quite deeply, as I always say, we always forgive, but we never forget, which means that we always have compassion for the human condition that we are all default preset to as entry into this life. We are all going to make mistakes. We are all going to be uh, liable to fault. So we should always hold compassion in any, situa- in any situation, in any circumstance. But that doesn't mean we forget the actions. It doesn't mean that we let people uh, back into that room without a certain set of criteria and to as to how deep they get into that room. And this is the analogy, that when you let someone into the room, your room, the room of your spirit, it's not just a flat floor. There is a drop-off into the center of the room. And the drop-off depicts the depth to which you would allow someone to connect with you. So as you go and as you foray, as you step through the door of the room and you foray into the room, you find yourself sliding down into it. The people you connect with more deeply, the people you trust more deeply, you are allowed to go deeper into your room. But the people that you want to keep an arm's distance, people that you want to, you know, you you want to have some connection with them, but whether because they heard you before, you got to keep them at the outer edges of the periphery of that room. So it's not saying that you're not, we're not ever going to connect to each other in life. You're still allowed in my room, but you're not allowed very deep into my room. I explain this to her. That this is basically what I'm trying to feel with you. I'm saying this to her directly. I'm trying to feel how, how and when would I know to what depth that I would allow you back into my life. She's absorbing this very intently. She's got no qualms about it at all. There's no emotional reaction other than real uh, enticement to understand, curiosity to understand. I can see that in her eyes and her face. After I explained that, I think there was one more part. There was, it was a little bit of it. Was, it took me a few minutes to explain to her. I think I'm really just doing a synopsis of it here. Of course, can't get every detail, but I'm doing my best. So I go through some explanation of that and there might've been something else that I'm maybe escaping my mind, but eventually leads us to the main point of which that letting you into my room and finding out how deep you'll go has so far just been verbal. And there seems to be green lights here. Like it seems... It feels good. It feels good that we can talk the way that we're talking right now. But I think as I explained to you in our first times of a being together, that sometimes the loudest conversations happen with no words. Sometimes the most meaningful conversations happen skin to skin, heart to heart, body to body, in the breath of each other. And so that's really what I want to do with you. And that's why I was going to say is that I wasn't sure whether this was appropriate to say or not, which is basically that I just want to hold you. Staring her dead in the eyes. You can imagine here, we're still sitting in that V position where my legs are V'd out on the sand. She's got her legs on top of mine. I'm rubbing her legs. She's rubbing my legs. I say, I just, I just feel like I need to hold you. And I really, I hit the pause. I hit the pause on that just to see how she will absorb that. And she goes, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. And I offer a further explanation after that to say that it really doesn't have a sexual connotation. You know, while there will always be a sexual connection between you and I, and I'm sure you can feel it here as we're sitting here together, you know, I can I can feel it. We'll always have that fire together. By the way, at this point, I'm definitely got a semi-erection, semi-heart at this point. 
uh, of course, because I can tell she's aroused. You, know, you, you can you can smell it on a woman's skin when she is aroused, as you can smell on your own skin. She, woman's rubbing your legs. You have this former intense sexual connection together. Of course, you're going to have a semi. I'm getting a semi talking about it right now. <laughs> so that's the I'm saying that to her that. But I'm just, I know that I probably don't need to reinforce this to her because she understands what I'm saying. But I'm saying it for myself, most importantly, which is that we don't need to have a sexual connection to demonstrate or to explain what I'm trying to talk about here, which is that in order for me to hold you is to do away with the words, the rafts, and to cross that river, to get to the other side of the river and to look up at the moon and see the full truth of what's happening here. Because really, that's when the magic lies and the magic exists between human beings. When you do away with the words, you just sit into the heart of each other's. You sit into the beating of each other's hearts. You sit into the breathing of each other's souls, each other's spirits. That's what's beautiful about human beings. So you can really get to know someone so much better if you just enter that space. Get to know yourself if you enter that space. I explained this to her and she fully understands and she fully gets it and she says back to me after I say to her, so I, you know, I just want to hold you. She goes, the invitation's always there. Very cute of her. Very cute of her. The invitation's always there. At that point, the options open up now because it's what, 7.30, 8 p.m. at this point? <sighs> you know, could go back to her place. We could postpone this to another time. What's the play here? I think I actually said something similar to those lines of like, uh, this feels like an old times, uh, old situation where we say that, you know, I'll drop you back in your car, but then I say I'll go home and I'll sleep at my place, but then I actually end up just coming to your place and we end up staying up all night together. Feels like that kind of situation again. And so she agrees, she laughs, and we just talk shit for a little bit more on the beach. And she says something quite beautiful because as now really the, the sun's pretty much fully set. It's that beautiful light, that really soft light. And she goes, you know, you know your eyes really, they really sparkle. Like they genuinely sparkle in the light. And I'm like, I was noticing the same thing about your eyes. So, so beautiful. So what I'm trying to paint here for you now is that now that we've had a direct conversation about the feelings between each other, and you can see lessons are starting to come in here about the power of being direct, being congruent, being authentic with empathy, that you just get all the stuff clear out on the board. It just, it makes the pathway together so much clearer about what you two should do together now. So, as I suggest to her, I say, may I? <laughs> Point my head towards the, up towards the rocks with the driveway. And she goes, yes. So we get up after her with dead legs because we've been sitting in this position for so long. Go up to the car, get in the car, cracking jokes, cracking. It's just, it's good time, good vibes, good lols. Drive her back to her car. And I say to her as we're sitting there at the end, well, actually, this is perfect. I said to her about this lion kissing thing that I recently seen this video of two lions, which actually was two pumas. And there was also a lion kissing video as well of this most mesmerizing video. I'll see if I can remember, I probably will remember. In the show notes, I'll drop the link to it on Instagram. It's one of the most hypnotic videos of watching two pumas, uh, these giant cats, man, man, masculine and feminine, just, kissing each other through their bodies. It's, it's very hard to describe, but 
I'm sure I'm putting it on the actual screen right now. Hopefully I am. If not, the link is definitely in the description. But you just got to watch it. You just got to watch it. It's one of the most sexual dance of masculine and feminine energy you'll see in the animal kingdom. It's really quite amazing to watch the way that the female moves her head into the male's body and the body male's body just flows with it effortlessly. It's a real dance. It's really a true embodiment. When I always say masculine and feminine polarity, the dance of, and the dance of masculine and feminine energy, this is literally like the embodiment of it. So we're sitting in there in the car, pulled up in the car park next to her car, and I'm showing her this video, and she's mesmerized by it, and then I show her this other video of two lions uh, just rubbing each other's heads together, kiss, doing their version of kissing. And you know, she, she, she loves it. I send it to her. She says to me, so I'm going to go home, have dinner, and I said, because well, I'm, I'm here going, of course I want to go back to her place. I want to cement the physical connection of what I talked about. I want to hold her without the sexual the sexuality of penetration being involved. That's not necessary. But just to hold her and to complete the conversation that we had just had, which had really only been about 50%, the verbals being only 50% of this conversation. But at the same time, I'm treading a little bit more cautiously or hesitantly than I normally would because I don't really, I don't, I don't, you got to remember, this is our first proper conversation we've had. The first time we've spent in meaningful conversation that wasn't just talking shit for, you know, 20, 30 minutes up on the beach over the last few months, which was very sporadic, by the way, once or twice over the last few months. And then prior to that, having no comments for a long period of time, like this is the first meaningful connection, first time we've touched each other in... Whoa, since the end of June, so it's like end of so in over four months. So it's I'm playing it as if I'm not trying to impose upon her. I'm not trying to uh, make things happen too soon or too fast. I'm really allowing her to direct me as to how comfortable she is, which is always the masculine role. Like I'm leading, I'm suggesting things, but I'm very much playing and trying to understand uh, where her comfortability lies here. And she's very much green ticket. She's very much green tick, green lights. As she'd always said to me, the invitation, and actually she said it twice. She said it for the second time, which is that, you know, I said to her, uh, you know, if I, if I came back to your, if I go back, I, what, what's probably going to happen is that we're going to say that we're not going to see each other tonight. I go back to my place, start cooking dinner, and then realize that I want to go and see you, and then we'll end up staying up at your place and staying up all night. And because that was always the routine back in the day. So she goes to me again, or just, you know, the, the invite's there. The invitation is there. And so I say, all right, well, you te- text me how you're feeling after you've had dinner. I'll do the same and we'll see what happens from there. Otherwise, we can do it at the end of a week or something. And she's actually saying to me, like, it's, there's no pressure as well. You don't have to make a decision now. So she's very, very open about it. And I'm like, okay. So she drives off. I drive off, get home, slam, steak, liver, heart with a bit of fruit and honey. That's it. Just charge myself up. And as I'm, I do a 10-minute walk by uh, the prescription of Stan Etherding. Well, legendary, legendary powerlifter and coach of fitness in general. Uh, I think he has one of, he has, if not, he's up there in the world with some of the, the highest total powerlifting, powerlifting total, which is like bench, squat, and deadlift in, in the history of powerlifting. Stan Etherding is great, author of The Vertical Diet. Not that I follow The Vertical Diet, but I love his principles on uh, injury rehab, and just general lifestyle principles. 10-minute walks, this is the reason why I mentioned this, I take a 10-minute walk after every meal. Uh, helps with the insulin response and to be able to just shuttle some of those carbs directly into the muscles instead of being stored, particularly if you're eating late at night, which I would not recommend. But tonight, I had to, because business had to be taken care of. Uh, more important business had to be taken care of. 
It's the only time. Uh, but I generally speaking, wouldn't make a habit or routine of it. Try to eat pretty early. So that's not me today about nutrition though. <laughs> so anyways, the reason why I actually had to go is that is because I'll take this 10-minute walk. And during this 10-minute walk, I'm debating, you know, do I go see you? Do I know? It's, it's like... Because I want to go to train tomorrow morning. I know this is likely going to end up in me staying over her place late. And if I stay up at her place late, even if we don't have sex and we don't go into deep animalistic throws for the next three to four hours, you know, I never slept well with her. She always, she was always fidgety, loud when she slept. So I never slept well with her in general. So I, but I, it just hit me. It's like, will you regret this? Will you regret this if you don't do this? It's like even if it gets like 12 or 1 a.m. and you decide you want to go home, surely that would be better. Surely that would be still a better option because at least you go through the experience. So I'm like weighing up all these options. I'm like, ah, fuck it. Fuck it. Like I'm just going to do it because particularly lately, I've been treating myself like an absolute uh, drill sergeant. Like I've just been so disciplined, even for my standards, like in bed by 9 p.m. every single fucking night just because I'm training as much as I possibly can. I'm just training two to three times a day at the moment in various different capacities, whether it be low intensity, steady state, high intensity training, resistance training, mobility work. So I really need all my energy. And that's on top of all of the stuff that I do with coaching clients, writing articles, recording podcasts, et cetera. So I really need that energy. But this is like a once in a lifetime situation to complete a conversation. I think that was the main driver in which that I got my phone out. And so I opened up my signal and this was the message that was waiting for me, which was like an hour delayed, what well, an hour that I didn't see. It took me a whole hour to see this in which that she said, I just wanted to say thank you again for providing an invitation to be vulnerable and open with you. I know that we spoke about a lot of things that have happened in the past few months, but I remembered that we didn't revisit how you were traveling with your dad passing away and those emotions that come with that and how you felt at that time. I just wanted you to know that I would really love to have you open up to me about how you have been while navigating through those days, weeks, and months. Silver love heart. So I got this message and I thought, huh, that's a beautiful message. And I really appreciate that. And that's actually the message that reminded me again of the old girl that I once knew. That was Sarah from the Sarah that I was in love with. So now I'm fully confirmed on that. Yeah, okay, I'm going to go see her tonight. But how to best position this? Because this is another bit of a tricky social dynamic principle here in which that I don't want to impose, like how do, how do I position and framework that I want to go over to a place and with the potentiality, likelihood of me sleeping over her place without imposing that? Because I don't just want to assume that she's okay with me sleeping over at her place. And I want to give her the option to be able to backtrack on that if that's not something she's not comfortable with. So this is how I responded to her. I said, hey, it was a great time feeling close again. Thank you for being open to being open with the wave emoji, as in the ocean emoji. And for sure, I'd love to talk about that process, especially since it's been so intertwined with what happened between us. What time do you need to be up tomorrow morning? She responds, yeah, absolutely, exclamation mark. Well, I am definitely here to hear what you are wanting to share with me, exclamation mark. I have to be up at seven tomorrow. I respond, would it be too disturbing if I left at six? No worries, if so, we can do it at the end of the week if that suits better. She responds, that will be fine, exclamation mark. Encourages me to get up earlier and make lunch for my work, smiley face. Uh, laugh emoji, I respond, laugh emoji, the incentives. Uh, okay, I'll be overseen. She goes, okay, perfect, drive safely. Why I wanted to go through that little thread there is because from a social dynamics point of view, it's actually quite important uh, from the male perspective on, it's it's a nice little, it's a very savvy social tool, if you will, or social principle to go through in which that, the way that I 
navigated the trickiness around going over to a place so late at night. You got to remember this is like 10.30 p.m. And not trying to assume or impose that I'm going to be sleeping in her bed that night, especially as I didn't, and I already said to myself that I don't actually, I remember saying to myself in my little 10-minute walk, there is no sex tonight. Like I don't, I don't, that's not the idea here. It's, but I was like even more adamant about it. It was that it's like, it's not like me having to discipline myself or remind myself that non Adam, don't, we're not having sex. And there's no one. It's about. It's not from that perspective at all. It's that it's something much deeper. It's something more about, I guess, just saying that it's so hard to describe. It's like, it's not that I don't find her sexually attractive. I find her very sexually attractive, of course, but it's that I don't, I genuinely don't want to have sex. So I was saying to myself, it's like, I, there is no sex happening. I don't want to have sex tonight. So it's so hard to explain. It's so hard to get that feeling out of which, because what it's really directing towards is my adamancy of what I actually wanted to achieve, which was a closure of the conversation between her and I, which required no words, the holding of her, the holding of each other. And so I was really just zooming in on that. But in order to position that well, I used a question in that, let me get the exact phrasing for you. What time do you need to be up tomorrow morning? By asking her that question, it gives her a lot of avenues, a lot of free room to be able to backtrack because it essentially been by me saying, what time do you need to be up tomorrow morning? It signals to her that I'm aware that I might end up sleeping over or that that potentiality might've been there. So it gives her an opportunity now to say, oh, actually, you know, I've got to get up really early. So maybe only come over for a couple hours or even if she's really adamant against it not happening tonight because maybe she, her feelings have changed. Uh, actually, yeah, I do have to get out really early. So how about we do it next week? So it just gives her a whole bunch of different avenues and options to be able to align with her comfortability. But, and as you saw, she was totally fine with it. Oh, first off, she says, I have to be up at seven tomorrow, which puts the ball back in my court. And I say, would it be too disturbing if I left at six? Because that's generally when I wanted to leave. Uh, if not, we can do it at the end of the week. And she goes, that's totally fine. So Nice little social dynamic principle there of alleviating the pressure of a what can be a bit of a sticky situation, which was a sticky situation for me, uh, considering we have not had a sexual connection or been in the same bed together uh, in four months or so. So, and with all the shit that has happened between us. So, erring on the side of caution there, a lot of empathy principle right there, along with uh, every other principle, really. They're always there, but particularly empathy there, just giving her different options. So, Let's take a quick second here. Get some water. We've gone through quite a bit of a journey to get up to really the crescendo of this journey. This is really the cliffhanger now, isn't it? So it's locked in. Get my gym bag, get my pillows, get my water and head over to her place, drive over, quick drive, 10 minutes. Come to her place. She's uh, she's in her jammies. She's in her jams, gym jams. And uh, there's, there's no one, none of her housemates are home at this point. So I'll go up to her bedroom. And it's late night and for your boy, I've been going to bed at 9 p.m. It's like 10.30 some and I just crashed on her bed. I'm just like literally just hit the bed and I'm wearing black track pants and an oversized white tee and it's important for, for you guys to know so so you can picture it. We're in her bed. Uh, she's watching the great the great British Bake Off. She turns that shit off. I indicate for her for her. I'm like, are you still watching this? And she goes, I can turn it off. So she turns it off. And uh, it turns off the, the the lights, and so it was just a Himalayan rock salt lamp lighting up this room. Plants in the room, a soft bed. We're lying down together. I think we talk shit for like literally five seconds before I hit the pillow. She hits the pillow. We're facing each other, lying down side by side, and we just start looking each other in the eyes. 
and we don't say anything. And this is where it really begins, where the continuation of the conversation that needed to happen from the beach to understand who she is, understanding how I feel about her, understanding the connection. Is there a reconnection happening here? Is there a rebirth happening here? I think I described this in our episode one, in our first ever sexual connections together. Now, the way that she looks at me is like a kitten. When we get very intimate with each other, she looks like a kitten. So innocent, so pure, so soft. She's never more attractive to me than when she enters this mode, where there's this glaze that goes over her eyes, very hypnotic, very trance-like. It's innocent and pure, yet how filthy she can be at the same time. (laughs) Like, she loves sex. She loves, and she loves being railed in many different positions for a long time. And she loves to come. But while that is obviously very attractive, and even me just saying those things gets me aroused right now, but the most arousing thing about her is the way that she looks at me. I reach out to her neck, I start to caress the side of her neck, running my thumb over her cheek, practicing as the pumas and the lions did, nuzzling my face into her neck. Remember, we're lying side by side, so I'm just having to reach into her to do this. Every now and again, a light a light kiss on her forehead, but very, very light, barely, barely any pressure, more like just contact or just lips on her forehead. Every now and again, my tongue would brush her earlobe. Very light, though. Very, very light. Our hands coming in connection. Fingers interlocking. At a certain point, I roll onto my back and pull her into me. She comes on over to me, and we start to breathe. And we start to hold. And it's this hold. This is what I've been waiting for. This is what I've been wanting to find out, to see about this connection. Deep, deep breathing. And when you're so tight and close together and there's zero noise, there is no dogs, there's no birds outside, there's no loud housemates, there's nothing. It is just the sound of us breathing. That is it. So serene. And her head's just resting on my chest. I've got my arm around her left shoulder holding her hand wrapped around her waist. Her other hands lay, draped across me. And you know, I'm just like I've been saying throughout all these years, all these different podcasts, align those hearts, align that breathing rate. And I'm noticing her breathing and it's a little short of mine, but then given a few more minutes, it's in full sync. And literally the raising and falling of our chests are in full sync. And it's just so beautiful. And while you're, absorbing absorbing this and as I'm feeling this connection between her and I as her legs are intertwined with mine that I'm released into the full presence of the moment but at a certain point the thought runs through my mind of maybe I don't, it's hard to know how much time went by because the presence because presence but I say to her and I in a whisper how do you feel how does this make you feel just as I had said to her on the beach earlier that night. And she responded without hesitation. 
in her little whisper. It feels a lot like home. Having her there rest on my chest, breathing together in full synchronicity, hearts beating in alignment, having not held her in this caress in months and months and months, having been through the breakdown, being shut out by her, being frozen down by her, pushed away from her, the consequence, little segue, the just the meeting her on the beach and she justifying what happened or explaining, I should say, what happened. And then a couple of little random bumping since then, like basically my idea of this person being erased, being wiped out. Now, as we hear in this embrace and something I forgot to mention earlier, which was that when we first got in the bed together, when we first got under the sheets and we we're just sitting there or just lying there, after we first took our first breath, I said to her, this is really strange. Like this is really surreal how normal this feels. And she started laughing and she goes, I know, right? It's like, it's like time never went by. Because the moment we got under the sheets together, and this now, of course, this is quite a bit some time later, of us having just been breathing and caressing each other very gently, very sensually, that it's just time never passed. So like this is exactly where we last left off when we were last in love. This is exactly how it felt when nothing in the world exists outside of this moment. There's no politics, there's no covid there's no wokeism. There's nothing. There's no structural society outside of what happens within the temple between her and I now. This is really just the, the full embracing of two people's spirits and souls as one. She said it felt like home. And then she asked me, how does it feel for you? I say to her, in the moment, it's very peaceful. As I'm holding her there, it's very peaceful, it's very calm, very warm. And I mean that inside, that I feel warm inside, holding her here, holding you here. Very peaceful. Consequently enough, as a good segue, after we had held each other for much longer and played with each other's hands for much longer, it did actually start to get quite hot. So as she sat up, I sat up and I took my shirt off. It would only be a few moments after that that I said something to her as a segue to really the full and final progression of this holding space in which I said to her, this reminds me a lot of the first time we were ever together. And I said to you, is it okay if we just lie together naked? Breathe together naked, feel each other naked. With no insinuation of having sex, just be together naked. And actually, she had once said that to me many months or a couple months later in, her, in this very same bed. One night when I came over to see her after some things that happened in her life, at that time, nothing too dramatic. Well, nothing that I thought was too dramatic anyway. She said the same thing to me. Is it okay if we just lie together naked? It was like the thing between her and I in which that we understood something about this practice of lying together naked, being skin to skin with each other without the direct insinuation that we must have sex as a result of this. It's not present, not there at all. 
And so I said that to her just like that. I said, it feels like that time. It feels like that. It feels like when I last said to you and you had said to me, is it okay if we lie together naked? And she said back to me, the invite's always there. The invitation's always there. Third time now. This is her thing. This is her way of letting me know. It's her way of saying, please, by all means, let's do it. So she sits up. She takes off her jam jams. She's fully naked. I take off my pants, which is the only remaining garment on me anyway. And so we're lying down there in bed. And of course, I draw her in and I pull her in. Now her naked leg upon my naked leg, her hand dragging her fingernails up and down my chest, my hand falling down her neck, breathing deeply, breathing deeply, and the moment we connected naked together, there is an increase in intensity of connection between her and I, is an increase in the palpability of energy it's so powerful how even just a thin veneer of cloth will interrupt that connection but being full skin contact to contact that it's like it's hard to tell where one body ends and one one begins when who is she and who am i all of us to become no one so as us to realize that we are everyone transcending the different levels of self-concept to realize that as I just said I am me, I am no one, I am no one I've said that so many times over the last few months helping you guys to go through that transition of identifying with yourself who you think you are, I am me then realizing that actually I am no one as you look out into the ephemerality of your concept of ego that there was a time before you there's a time after you you are but a concept, so you are no one. But then you realize that there are so many no ones. And it brings you to this understanding that we're all interconnected. We all come from one source. So all of us no ones come from one thing, all things. We are everyone. So to go through that three-part transition of I am me, I am no one, I am everyone, this is happening within physical, I'll say sexual, spiritual connection here. There's def- I'm using the word sexual, but not penetratively, because there is no penetrative idea here. Well, we'll start to transition to that moving forward. But at this moment, there wasn't. At this moment, it really was still just that idea of I'm really just trying to feel my naked spirit in contact of her naked spirit to see if we could find that oneness again. And it's just like, it's, it's like throwing gasoline on a fire when you take the clothes off. Now, of course, at this time, I'm erect as a flagpole. <laughs> of course, I, I told you, I'm very sexually chatted to her. And I can tell she's very turned on as well. But we are doing a very good job of paying no mind to that. Like even though I know that I'm erect and I know that her leg is brushing up against my cock and my balls, it doesn't, I am not concerned of it. And also just as a nice uh, little tip here for guys that struggle with erectile dysfunction as I once did long, long, long ago, self-induced psychological anxiety, not because of a car or a motorbike accident, which is very common for young men, uh, particularly in this day and age. 
when you it's because I'm not concerned with the erection, which is why I have the erection. If you are concerned about having to have an erection, you will surely not gain one. That psychologically induced anxiety. Anyways, putting that to the side, we're there in the we're in that moment. And I'm telling you about the fire, the energy, the electricity between her and I, the comfort, the calmness, the peace between our bodies together. It it doesn't take long for me to realize that this, as she described in such fitting words, feels like home. This feels so right. That was the only word that ran through my mind in the moment intermittently. So this just feels so right. This feels so right. And the word love kept popping into my mind again because my last idea, my last conceptualization or experience of this was when I was in love with her. And I used to look at her with eyes that communicated, I am in love with you. Not just that I love you, but I am in love with you. And so as I'm looking into her eyes now, and you've got to imagine that as she's lying on me, on her side with her head resting onto my chest naked and every now and again I would kind of push into her and so we would be up side by side as looking into each other. You know, I would use my nose to run along her face, to run along her nose. I'd place my lips on her closed eyelid. Placing my lips on her neck. While this is all very arousing, I'm sure, very sexually, I'm sure if she's listened to this, she can attest to that. It's not done with that intent. And this went on for quite some time. This it really was the human mirroring of what I was referring to in that Puma video of those two cats playing with each other in sexual masculine and feminine connection. It's using your body to talk. This is what I'm trying to describe here. You use the elements of your face and your fingertips, the way you hold her hand, the way that you run your hand down her back and feeling the connection from her, feeling the timing of her movements within your body and realizing that this is a language. You are talking to me when you do this. This is not a stimulation activity. Yeah, it's powerful. It's very powerful. Went on for quite some time. How much time I do not know because I was deep in the presence of things. But at a certain moment, I could feel the overwhelming sexual arousal, that real raw animalistic sexual energy that I discussed in episode one. So what you're seeing here is beautiful because what you're seeing here is the deep love as episode one contrasted, the deep love versus the animalistic sexuality, the drive for animalistic sex, the raw penetration, the licking, the biting, the choking, the spanking, the bringing to orgasm, the coming. That versus... All of this deep spiritual sensual stuff I've been talking about of realizing our concept of self and the deletion of such to realize your connection of all living things, realizing that in a physical space in which that you're naked body to body with them and feeling the intense heat between you and her, feeling that there's nothing else in the world that matters, that this is the world, that you are the world together, that you feel the universe within each other, hearts beating within each other, breathing life within to each other. Both things, that is what, sorry, that is what has been the primary, all of that spiritual essence if you will that deep love if you will that deep love is what has been tested here and has been green lit green lit to where it's like this is amazing how how can i find a better word but just say right how right it feels it's ecstasy but then of course the option of what was once a problem in our first time together but the doorway is open and the doorway has been open for a long time now after we got it, after the door, once you break the lock on the doorway between these two things, like harmonizing 
deep love and raw animalistic sexuality, which is it's not so obvious as to why there would be a lock on the door between those two rooms. But if you're someone who has maybe gone through an experience in which that you haven't fallen in love in six years, you've only been doing raw animalistic sex, that's the only room you've been in for the last six years because you've been in open relationships, you haven't found anyone you want to experience deep love with or allow yourself to feel deep love with, that's why there'll be a lock on that door. But we busted that lock on our first uh, time together. And so our, our sexual intimacy always effortlessly channeled between the two different rooms after that. We could always oscillate between drilling the absolute shit out of her and just pumping her pussy until she couldn't walk versus caressing her neck and looking into her eyes as if you are the only person that matters to me in this entire life. When you can effortlessly flow and channel between those two different rooms, those two different aspects, well, that's that's a beautiful thing. So as we're here in this moment, we spent all of our time here at the beginning tonight in the deep love room feeling that sensuality things. But the... But the opportunity and the invitation to step into the raw animalistic sexuality has been proffered, has been offered to us in a most timely manner. <laughs> if, uh, it's pretty eloquent words, actually. Uh, it's pretty dirty, but pretty eloquent as well. And the way that I'm knowing that this moment is arriving is because every time that I go to move my face around her, I feel her trying to draw my face and my lips particularly to hers. Noting at this time, as we've been lying here naked together for what's been probably a good, if I had to guess, it's probably 20 to 30 minutes, but it feels like a long time. Because when you're in the presence of things, time doesn't exist. It's both a long time and no time. It's all time, but no time. And so you, we have not been kissing this entire time. <laughs> that word, that word. We had not been kissing throughout the entire experience because I was pulling the reins on that to keep things in the love room in terms of working out the energy between us and not making this a very penetrative and, of course, kissing is going to be a floodgate. It's going to be a floodgate, not even just a... What's the regular term? The term I was looking for there was actually, uh, you know, doorway, gate, gateway, gateway. There we go. Kissing is a gateway to penetration, but particularly when you two are very comfortable with each other, but... Uh, for us, it's a floodgate. Like if there has never been a time where we have kissed and not had full-blown sex after that. So very aware of that. So I have not been kissing her, and but I've been doing all these other things, all these little small movements, which are probably, if not just as, but more arousing, which is to just, you know, tempt at that, tease at that. Not that that was actually what the intent was, of course, but it might lead one to believe. So... As we're there and she's drawing my face in close towards her, she's trying to pull my lips towards her and I would get so close, many like 20 times over, I would dance my lip on top of hers, my bottom lip on her top of her top lip, but not make full connection and move to her cheek and move to her neck. Again and again, again and again, this dance would play until finally as if a volcano had to erupt. But in the most softest of ways in the softest of ways that i finally allowed for the full press of our lips together but in the slowest motion possible you have to imagine placing butterfly wings upon butterfly wings butterfly wings upon butterfly wings 
like clouds touching clouds, the way one cloud would melt into another if you've ever observed the sky, just like pillars upon each other. And that if that was the connection, the removal of our lips was surely slower. Peeling my lip away from hers, taking an eternity. Hearing all the different moisture between us. It, 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 it just, it, it does your mind in. As I'm even just like trying to describe things now, it just does your bloody mind in thinking about how romantic it is. How it just lights your soul on fire. Puts your heart on fire. When you're talking to someone through your lips and there's no words being said. After God knows how long of us doing this extremely passionate slow kissing. Lying there naked together. It starts to pick up. It starts to get more physically amorous. I start to cup her breasts. Work her nipples through the tips of my fingers. Running my hand down the curvature of her waist. The thickness of her ass. The strength of her legs. She's dragging her fingers up and down the V of my abs, brushing over me. The arousal temperature, you know, hotter and hotter between her and I. We eventually slide into a full-blown makeout. It's fully animalistic at this point. She moans. She lets out little quivers when I go to her neck, when I go to her ears. I think as a gentle gesture for myself, grabbing her right ass cheek, which was the leg on brushed or laid across my body, pulling her up onto me. So she mounts me. As she mounts me, I can feel the wetness between her legs as she straddles my cock as she's riding on top of me. Not inside her, but just you know, sitting on top. And of course, I mean, no surprise, as I said in episode one, she's one of the wettest girls I've ever been with. At this point, it's a foregone conclusion. <laughs> you already predict what's going to happen from here. However, an interesting little side note, which is that as I go to slide myself inside her as she's riding on top of me, that it actually takes quite a bit of time to get to full depth of penetration because she is much, much tighter than she ever was when we were together. I get hurt, is <laughs> what I said to her. And uh, that's, you know, it's like, it's like uh, <laughs> the analogy I used, which is that it's like being of a teenage Japanese girl. <laughs> and she goes, is this something you haven't experienced yet? I'm like, no, not at all, not at all. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> but she was just, so far to say, she was so tight, like so tight that it actually hurt. It took quite a lot of, despite how wet she was as well. So this lube was not the issue. Uh, just very, very tight. But after that, probably for about half an hour, I'd say, if I had to guess, again, time being an elusive concept here, but we worked through a few different positions, just pounding the shit out of each other, just ravaging each other. And it's so explosive and gritty. Like, it's very gritty. 
the way that she would dig her fingernails into my ass if, if I was on top of her, the way that I would grip her neck, pulling her hair, looking into her eyes, moaning into her ear, feeling when she was coming. And as I s- described about her, what probably why some of the, the for sure the best sex I had ever had with anyone was with her was because she was so free with me that she could come endlessly. Like it would only take a minute or so of penetration for her to have an orgasm. And so she could have 10, 15 orgasms across an hour or two hours of us being together in the same uh, session. But because tonight it's late, we've already done a lot here. You know, we go through a few different positions and, you know, it was export a lot of energy. Let's say I export a lot of energy. At certain point she says, I have to get water. <laughs> so she gets, she lets me get water. I think maybe we go one more time after that. And that's what we call tonight because I'd say we, we can't let this get to a 3 a.m. session. At least let's finish this by before midnight, before the day. But it's very hard to stop. It's very hard to stop our sexual connection once it starts. This is always a thing is that we say, we set a clock, set a timer, this is when it's done. And we always go an hour over time. We go into the OT. It's very hard to pull away from her. It's very intoxicating the connection we have with each other. And both both ways. Both ways. She feels it as I do. But anyways, so we go to sleep. She sleeps a lot better. I mentioned it earlier in the podcast. Uh, she had really poor sleep the time when we were last together, but she fixed that up. I actually sleep pretty well. Woke up in the morning. And this is my favorite part. Like I love all parts of sexual experiences, but particularly the morning after where you wake up. And because I'm always an early waker, I wake up before her. And you just get to watch them as they sleep. I don't know, it sounds super creepy, but more so as they sleep and they rise. So you get to, as they come to consciousness in the life and you're the one, the first one that they see and you usher them, encourage them to take your hand, to roll over onto your chest, just to breathe them. She grabs me by the jaw, pulls my lips into hers at a certain point and you know, it's, there's just an effortless combination and effortless flow, as I said before, between deep love and animalistic sexuality. So we go for some probably I would consider far more energetic, far more aggressive uh, sexual penetration now in the morning. Not too long as well, because again, I had to get out early in the morning. Like we used to go sometimes, there were some times where we spend like three to five hours having sex. This is not that time. So we, I think we capped it maximum an hour. But it is hard. Every time we said we would stop, we would go again. And this is, I remember waking up, I'll add this for you. Before she woke up and I was sitting there lying awake, I was saying to myself, and this is really the last part of the story part of this podcast where I get into the lessons of things. And I know I've been working lessons throughout it, but I'll put some fine points on it towards the end of today's session, which is that I remember lying there awake in the morning as she slept they're naked peacefully next to me as I was naked. After everything that has transpired, having fallen in love with her to begin with, having my heart broken by her, to now a reconnection, a rekindling, that's, and that's what I'm trying to work out here. Is that what this is? But surely it cannot be before something I had not mentioned throughout our time when I was discussing our night on the beach previously the previous night 
was that she had been describing to me all her plans in life about how she wants to move to a different state, different state in Australia, uh, and she's got these international trips that she's planning and planning trips with different friends and whatnot. And like she's got her own life is what I'm trying to say, and particularly with the moving of different states, which means we wouldn't even have physical contact if we were to continue seeing each other after this. And like I'm listening to that and, uh, and I'm replaying that in my mind at this moment after everything that's transpired between now from that point of hearing that knowledge and then us having this reconnection is the best term, this reconnection night. Rebirth of connection. And I'm lying here naked after this, after everything felt so right and in her words felt so home, going, where does this go now? How am I supposed to feel about this now? Because it seems quite apparent that there was a time in which that I won't lie at all that I felt like we were going to have a life together. I thought we were going to create a life together. That's the direction we were heading in. It was still early days. It was still in the first three months, but it was a real roller coaster. Like it was, this was a girl that I wanted to invest a lot of time in, a lot of time, a lot of energy in. Obviously, not succumbing to my own hierarchy and purpose in life in terms of what I'm here to do as a human being. But just short of that, she was going to be the next most important thing alongside my family. That was quickly put to rest in the way that she treated me. So there had been a time where I had envisioned that and then there had also been a time where that was completely destroyed, where that was completely burned down. So I came to grips with that. I had to come to grips with that in order to maintain my existence as a human being and continue moving forward. But now here we are and it's like, it's not, I wouldn't say I'm confused, but I'm just, I'm asking the questions. I'm lying there before she's woken up going, how am I supposed to feel about this now? I don't dive too deep into it at that moment because as I said, I reconnect back to the moment, have that beautiful, that morning sex, that morning sexual connection, that morning spiritual connection which I always find so beautiful because it's so raw, it's so soft. You're at the beginning of each other's days. After we get done, she walks me out to the car, talking shit, get into the car, drive off. For a long time, I didn't even play any music or anything and I was just asking myself that question, how am I supposed to feel about this now? Because whether there's a position for me in her life or a position... and this is a, this is probably going to be the organic segue into the actual lessons of the de- the philosophical debate of this entire journey, this entire saga, and how you can. And I start to turn the gun the gun on you guys a little bit now. I start to turn the gun. I start to point the mic towards you guys a little bit now. Is a much better analogy, in which that start to think about your own lives, your own positions, in relationships, and people's positions in your relationships in your life. Asking this question: What position do I have in her life? What position does she have in my life? Looking at it as objectively as possible mine is a very limited one in that in terms of my position in her life is a very limited one in which that she's already stated that she wants to move to a different state now for those of you that are ogs of my email article bowl sip you would remember a girl the girl before uh sarah you remember i don't remember the fake name i gave her though it's going a while back. It's going a while back. It's going back to like February, January of this year. I'm not even sure if I updated you that, but basically the story that I told was she was the girl that I helped to overcome her fear of the ocean, her fear of water swimming. We had this uh, beautiful, 
overcoming of limiting beliefs and fear and negative self-perception in the water. And then after that, a night after that, we'd been walking up and down the beach together on sunset and then I finally kissed her and it was, it was beautiful. It was so beautiful. But then after that, and I don't think you ever found out about this because I don't think I ever wrote a follow-up article to this, but she was moving states imminently. So nothing ever progressed between her and I. Nothing ever, well, nothing serious ever progressed between her and I in the months and weeks, not months, weeks really ensuing after that because she moved to a different state. And it's a, it's a much longer story. There's much more details to it. That's the gist of it. So the reason why I mentioned that is because I'm prepared for this. I've seen this throughout my life. You get to 29 years old and you're regularly meeting people, you're going out with people, particularly people in their 20s, they move around a lot. Uh, I particularly have stayed homebound or home locked for all of my life in South Australia, but I travel a lot outside of my home. So my home base has always been South Australia, except for one stint where I was basically living in Melbourne for about half a year, basically. But other than that, I, I travel a lot prior to COVID. So I get out and see the world a lot, travel different countries, different states quite regularly. What I'm trying to say here is that people in their 20s are going to be moving around a lot. So you have to get used to this. You have to get used to the idea of that people aren't going to be in the same spot for a long time as they're trying to figure out what service they want to do in their lives. Hopefully that's their mindset, what work they're going to serve to the to this universe, to the beings of this world. And while it is a bitter pill to swallow, hopefully it's bittersweet. Hopefully it's bitter in that, yes, you must learn to detach from your egoic perceptions of validation, comfort, safety, psychologically. But sweet in the sense that if it's hard, it was worth it. For it would not be so easy if it was not worth it. If it was so easy to let go, it would not be so it would not have been so sweet of an experience. Right? It's hard to let go egoically speaking, because your ego found sweetness within it. It found that sense of comfort and that safety. Psychologically is what I'm saying, not just survival-based. What I'm talking about is to not feel like you're alone in this world. How about it? Let's talk about it. Let's have at it. How many of you feel alone in this world? How many of you have friends and family that you see regularly, but you still feel alone inside? For you have not found a connection to your inner source, your inner knowing, whatever you would like to label that. God, Tao a sense of being a sense of supremacy in this world in which that there is a undying light and existing perpetually existing forever existing eternal thread that runs through you how many of you are bereft of that how many of you are walking your lives as empty husks empty shells having not felt that you are truly connected and so you seek to find that connection egoically in others you use friends, family, romantic connections as a substitute for that eternal thread, as I've discussed. And while it does serve a short-term benefit, in which that it masks over that intense loneliness within you, it is always destined to failure. For you may jump from human to human, but humans must die. And so must you. The human mechanic is a limited one. So it's a foolish game to base your sense of comfort and safety, psychologically, spiritually, in another. They will either one day leave you, hurt you, even if they love you, may die while they were with you. What I'm trying to paint here is that nothing lasts forever and this too shall pass. 
how much more solid and centered it is to find a grounding within you, to find that thread on the ground within you, that eternal thread of who you truly are, your true existence, your source, your creative nature. It's on offer to everyone. So the reason why I brought this up was the bittersweetness of things, of having to let go, of having to realize that your position in someone's life is very limited. If particularly in a situation where a reconnection, a rebirth of sexual connection has happened, in which that maybe the ego might like to taste on certain temptations of, maybe we have a chance now. Maybe, surely that would be offered to the ego. Was it offered to me? Absolutely. It ran across my mind. It's like, maybe, is there something here now? I didn't, I never allowed the ego to dine too deeply on it though, because I know the pain that that would bring. So the question is more than profit. It's more than profit to ask that question, but to settle it very quickly by saying, look at the objective facts here. Even if it feels like she's turned that part of the wheel. And by the way, this is something that I uh, did not mention in our, oh, that's what it was. Do you remember when I was describing my direct conversation with her on the beach, when I was saying to her, listen, the inappropriate, appropriate thing about giving her the framework, the foundation workings of how I was going to ask her if it's all right, if we just hold each other. And by the way, that's not like a permission asking thing. That's more like a seeing if we're aligned in the same energy of things. Not Don't get woke with it. <laughs> don't get politically correct of it. It's not like, can I please hold your hand? <laughs> can I please kiss you? No, 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 no. <laughs> it's all right if we have sex. <laughs> you will never have sex with anyone. <laughs> all right, if you guys have not seen... Um, a full full dating guide for teenagers. It's like three episodes ago. I start off the uh, podcast with something like that. It's like in the intro. <laughs> like if you go around asking people, is it right if we have sex? You'll never have sex with anyone. <laughs> okay, anyways, moving beyond this. Moving beyond these lols, lols that can be heard for kilometers. <laughs> the framework, the framework of explaining to her. I said that there was something that I had left out. This was it. It was a big thing I left out, actually. I'm surprised that I didn't recall it, but I'm recalling it now, which was because it's fitting as to where we are on the podcast right now, which is I said to her, how would I know about going into that room to what depth I would be allowed, allowing of her to come into my room? Like, how deep would I allow her to reconnect with me, essentially? How would I know about that? And what I came to understand for myself is, well, I'd have to see some form of evolution and her level of evolution and development would tell me as to how comfortable and how trusting I would be in allowing her to enter deeply into my spirit again. Because she had entered the very depths of my spirit. And quite frankly, the analogy I was going to use was set a fire within it, but it was more like froze it over. Froze it over. Froze it out. On her way out with a pathway of ice. So I would have to see a tremendous level of evolution and change in who she is. And that's something that I had found in sitting with her on the beach that night last night, which is that it feels like whatever you've done, wherever you've been, and she has done a lot of different things. She's got a different job, been traveling, coming to grips and processing the separation of her family. It felt like she had moved some way on the wheel of her evolution. I could just feel it. This is not only just fragments or remembering who she once was when she was in her prime, but it's an evolution upon that prime. She feels far more mature than even when I first met her initially. So that's what made me feel comfortable to bring her back into the room 
and to see what depth we could go to. Now, why did I bring that bit up? I th- I know loosely, generally, where we are in this podcast, which is talking about the limitations of where you are in someone's life and being pro. I'm not. Sure. I'm sorry, guys. I'm not entirely sure. It's very hard at a podcast like this. I'm doing pretty good. I'll be honest. I'm doing pretty good, but I'm going to make a mistake here or there. I do apologize as to why I. It might come back. It'll come back to me at some point. But anyways, where we are, generally speaking, in this podcast right now, the loneliness of things, the egoic, egoism of things, your limit, your position in people's lives, knowing that she was going to have to move away, that she's likely going to move away, that she didn't foresee anyone being a staple or pillar in her life, most likely. Especially if you're willing to upend your life in a home state and move to a different state, different city you've never been to or never lived in and have to start life afresh, essentially. You know, that's the idea she was giving me. So very quickly, I have to come to the grips with that. I think this is generally speaking where we were. I have to come to grips with that, with that fact and not allow the ego... Yeah, and that's where the whole loneliness stuff came from, which is and not allow the ego to believe that it was ever going to find a sense of home in her. As hard as that is to hear. And even when she's, and please don't get that confused when she says to me, when I'm holding her naked body to body and she says to me, I feel like I'm home. Don't confuse the two ideas there. Those are two different uses of the word home. It's one thing to feel in a moment that this, because of the space set up, because of the vessel set up, because of the true comfort, the love and the peace and the joy that has been incepted within this incredible space between you and her, that it just feels like the comfort of home. It's not to say that that person is your home. That person becomes your home and that you rely on them as your source of sustenance and perpetual existence in this life and security in this life. That's not what we're saying there. Those are two very different uses when someone says you are my home versus some I feel like I'm at home with you. It's two very different things to be studied carefully. So you got to catch your ego on that. I catch my ego that as I'm driving. Uh, as I drove off from her place. I drove to the beach because I was going to do some uh, movement. Low intensity, steady state walk, 45 minutes, and then some mobility. Split squatting. <laughs> I love going into this stuff. Uh, single leg bend overs, all this different stuff. Swimming. Of course, I'm at the ocean. So And, and obviously, to clean myself off after some pretty rambunctious activities in the fleshly delights. Salt water is good for it. Okay, yes. Going through this car, dri- this driveway, Driving in the car. <laughs> there we go. I come to that and I answer that question very quickly, which is that it appears that there's no need to make anything more of this than it is. What what was it then? What was it was that it appears that she reached a new level in her human experience in terms of who she believes herself to be. If we just want to use the temple analogy in her version of the temple, that her temple is in great condition purpose, physical, mental, social development, her concept of knowing who she is, it's back on track. And so I could feel that when she fronted up to me on the beach, when she hugged me. I felt that in the hug. I had to explore that. I had to find out what that meant. What I found out was that she not only was all the connection points of when we first fell in love there, but there's something more to it now in which that she just feels even better to me, even words that cannot describe. That essence of when you're attracted to someone, right? that goes beyond the physical, the mental, and steps into the spiritual. That's what I'm talking about. So I had to play that out. 
and that could not be sufficed at words. So we had to get into a holding position, naked body to body, in which that there wasn't actually an intent for having sex. If sex happens, great. So it happens, sex happened. Didn't have to though. That's really important to note. Didn't have to. It was just a natural progression of things. We could have very easily chosen not to have sex, but it just felt most natural. It just felt like an ex- a continuation, an extension of that holding, just to hold myself inside of her, to have her feeling her, to have her feeling me inside of her. Yes, sir. Yosha. So, now that we've come to the end of all of that, there's nothing more to be said. I'm saying this to myself in the car. It's that it's bittersweet. It is bittersweet to know that there are remnants, embers, as I said at the beginning of this podcast, there are embers of a fire from long ago in which that I once believed that I was going to create a life with this girl. It's foolish, though, to believe that that's the same, that I was going to say that that's the same person, but it's very clearly that that wasn't even the person who I thought it was because of how it's about to be traveled. So I was misled in that. And so that's, I think that's just being human. Like, I'm going to be honest with you guys right here. I can't walk through my life and I can't pretend to stand here in front of this microphone and say to you guys that I'm never going to make a mistake, that I'm not going to judge someone incorrectly. When I thought that this person, I held such high hopes for this person, I thought this person was going to be this. You know, not that I was trying to press that upon them. It's just that this is what things looked like, that this is just the trajectory, just that everything was just on the up and up and up and up. And so, of course, you, you start to think about what that would look like three, six months, 12 months later. And when it proves out not to be, and it proves out quite frankly to be the complete opposite, being frozen out of that person's life for no good reason. Well, no real justified reason. There's a reason, but no, certainly not a uh, mature reason. Certainly not a healthy reason. Then it's, you got to make mistakes. You got to make mistakes. That's all I can say. And, I guess that's probably something very comforting that I've said to myself. And if you notice my body language right now, I'm entering a self-comforting body language subconsciously. If you're here on YouTube, I crossed my arms, but I didn't cross my arms like, hey, I'm ready to fuck you up, cross my arms. I crossed my arms as in to self-soothe. If you're aware of your body language as I am, notice the timing of the words there. When I said, I'm going to make mistakes and I chose this body language subconsciously to mimic and to represent the fact that I'm human, I'm vulnerable, I make mistakes. All the fucking time. I make mistakes all the fucking time. Not as many as I used to though. And that's what's important. That's actually the most key thing, which is that our condition as human being is mistake. Our condition as human being is imperfection. Just hopefully you'll be a little less imperfect as you foray throughout life. You'll be a little more wise as you go through your mistakes throughout life and not repeat the same mistakes and to continue making new mistakes. I need to reset this camera. The battery's just about to run out. Thank you for your patience, my friends, which I'm sure there was no wait for you, but I just had to reset the battery. Also, I really do apologize if the quality of the video is off and it's all super dark in here. I'm using a very old camera. Just doing the best I can with what I got while my main beast has been repaired. So getting back to what I was talking about right there, got to make mistakes. Hopefully they're not the same mistakes. Hopefully as you fray throughout life, you just correct and you learn and you endeavor to make new mistakes. And so I'm, I'm going to be as raw and as vulnerable as I can of you guys here saying that that's me. That's me, and, I'm, and I own that shit. I own that shit that I thought this girl was going to be someone that I thought she was clearly not. And then now that all the signs and indicators show that actually she is that girl that I... She's even better than the girl that I fell in love with originally. She's even more mature now. She's even more evolved now as a result of 
causing someone a lot of pain and being caused a lot of pain by her family. She's been through some shit over the last seven to eight months, you know? But this is the nature of 20-year-olds, right? This is the nature of young adults in which that particularly young adults that get after it that are trying to make something of themselves in terms of not just living a life of mediocrity, but they're trying to express their fullest. There's going to be tumultuality. There's, I'm sure that's not a word. Maybe it is. I'm sorry to say, the, the, whatever the excessive word, the excessive use of tumultuous, there's going to be some earthquakes, storms, change as is our constant nature, but even more so, voracious change within our lives is something that I think you would hopefully seek as a 20-year-old. And this maybe is another little a little nugget for those of you who are older males listening to this. And if you're not an older male listening to this, be you're a younger male listening to this, or if you're a younger female listening to this, hearing it, you hear it straight from a, young, a slightly older male who's getting closer towards 30, with 30 next year, that... If you're going to get intertwined with girls in their early 20s, you have to expect this. And I've talked about this in social Q&As. It's just that it's a different thing when you fall in love with them. Because right? I've it's not that I haven't been engaging younger females throughout my 20s, particularly my later 20s. Uh, particularly 2020 to 2021, I was the average age of the girl I was seeing was probably between 18 to 22, mostly because online dating apps during lockdowns. As you guys know, I don't use online dating apps in general. But we went real hard during lockdowns. I did like I went full scientist with it. I did like the full research project. Just signed up to gold memberships. Was full time nine to five, getting the results. We made so much content on it. Social Q and A live podcast. We did so many episodes, and uh, it was necessary. It was it was it was necessary not only just from the perspective of being able to help my clients who were dealing in the same situation around the world. Everyone was in lockdown but also because this was the state of society and it is my job to understand the social dynamics of human beings, to understand how human beings operate with each other and to best improve their operations between each other, their interactions. So even though it's a great excuse, it also had quite a deep philosophy underneath it why I had to go so hard in online dating during that time. But one thing I noticed during that time is that, yeah, 18 to 22, 18 to 24-year-olds, uh, got a big slice of that pie, that demographic on online dating apps. And so it's not that I wasn't engaging with those girls, but I didn't find any girls at that age range that I was falling in love with. I didn't find a girl that I fell in love with since I was 22 years old. So, but falling in love with a girl who's in such a tumultuous stage of her life, such an ever-changing state of her life, but really voraciously, then yeah, you are signing up for, if you're not going to, harness your ego if you're not going to be willing to sit down with yourself or sit in a drive down to the beach and take a nice 45 minute walk on the beach and just meditate on the fact that you're not going to be a staple in her life and nor should you be like even if she's listening to this and she probably is like i think she probably will listen to this even if she's listening to this thinking but i want you to be a staple in my life As much as a girl might want me to be a staple in her life, I can see from having been seven to eight years in advance of her, of the stage of life that she's in, particularly from someone like my perspective who works with people in their stages of different stages of life. 
So from guys that are in their late 40s, early to mid 30s, 20, from 20s down to the youngest I ever worked with was 12 years old, but not regularly. So 18-year-olds normally being the youngest. So I see people from a different scape between 18 to 40 usually. And what I see is that the girls that they interact with, I see the lives, because that's what a lot of people don't seem to realize, I don't think, it might never occur to you that even though I particularly work with males, not it's not that that's a rule, but that's generally speaking the audience that I garner. What you might not be so obvious to occur to you, which is that just because I don't work directly with females, who do you think and what do you think the subject matter is of the guys that I'm dealing with? As long as we're not specifically talking about their life purpose or egotistical as an ego-driven mindsets and dealing with the concept of ego. But if we're talking about particularly social dynamics, their interactions with females, interactions with females. So I have just as much knowledge, if not just on a direct note, on an indirect note, as to how girls treat guys because of all the guys that I have to coach and interact with. And I see the different lifescapes between 18 to 40-year-old women and seeing what stages they're in. And so even if a girl may want to say to me that, you know, I want you to be a staple in my life, I want you to be ever-present in my life, even if we can't be, you know, sexually intimate with each other, not just, I mean that penetratively, but sexually, spiritually together to be intertwined within love with each other and to pursue a love between each other. A girl in her early twenties, unless I'm not, I'm not, you guys know me. I'm not one to draw hard and fast lines. You might find the, the love of your life at 22, settle down with them and ride that out for the rest of your life. I could never say if it's impossible. I'm sure it's happened. It seems to be very unlikely though. It seems to be very rare to find that connection. It's definitely possible though. I'm definitely, I am not, I'm not a hard, a hard winger on this. Like I'm not saying that that's not possible just because I haven't personally found that person. I've had a few, I've had three women in my life that I thought were going to be the forever ride and dies. And it was the third one that finally made me realize this doesn't seem very likely. It's like if I felt the same way about three different girls separated by about five to seven years between each other, it's like, and I had the exact same feeling where this girl seems like the forever girl. But then you go through that three times where you realize they weren't the forever girl. There is no forever girl. There is no forever person. We are all always ever changing. We are always ever growing. And as I said to Sarah if it wasn't as we were lying in bed last night, but if it was on the beach, that as long as we have the lessons we need to serve each other right now, then that should be the prime criteria for whether we are in each other's lives or not. You know, at some point, you might feel like this person is the ride or die. This is the love of your life now because you have the lessons to serve each other now. But if in five months, two years, five years, 10 years, you find that those lessons are just not present, you just don't have the lessons to serve them. They don't have the lessons to serve you, which is to say that you guys would be much better off either being on your own, learning on your own, or learning with someone else. You know, we should not be so deeply attached to the people that provide us lessons. For we are all on a journey of lessons. And for each of us has something to teach. Until we don't. Until we have learned as much as we can at that stage in the moment, that stage in life. So to wrap this point up, this has been my musings, my grapplings with, and as you I know, I'm also going to be 100% honest with you, as I'm driving in the car and I mentioned that bittersweet feeling of knowing that, yeah, we, even though I'm feeling like this girl feels like a girl I want to fall in love with, even though like I can feel those, those embers, it's not like 
a raging fire within me because I've tempered that over the last four months or so, particularly because it was so frozen. I, but you can you can feel the ice thawing out on my perception of it. You can feel a lot of fire got into there. A lot of ice was melted down over the just one night. And I can see those embers. I feel that sweet ember. I feel that sweet fire within me about how I feel about her. And then to quash that and go, but is that what she needs? Is that what she needs? She definitely needs to hear it. Don't get that wrong. Don't get that confused. Direct principle always. If you've got deep feelings for someone, you've got deep burgeoning feelings, let them know. 100% let them know. Not just for your own sanity and to get closure on yourself, but to make sure that the connection between you and them stays pristine. That the clarity of communication stays pristine as little noise as possible, as much signal as possible, which is just the true clarity of connection, communication of your connection. To let someone know that, and I will let her know because I'm, I'll publish, probably publish this podcast in a couple of days after this, but if she doesn't already hear this before that, like I won't intentionally send her this podcast, but I can't say to her, I can't stop her from listening to this podcast once I publish it. But of course, I will have this conversation with her in much, much more depth as to my true feelings, particularly after this has only been the what I'm talking about with you guys, like this bittersweet feeling I'm talking about, like realizing the ems of sweet love, but realizing this needs to be quashed. Like this orbit doesn't really have much legs to it. That was like five hours ago. <laughs> we were at like 2.50 p.m. I only left her bedroom at like 7 p.m. 7 a.m. this morning. So I'm still very much processing this myself, but as you can tell, as someone who is a practitioner of processing, for someone who processes emotions for his daily job. Uh, I'm quite speedy with it. I'm quite, uh, I, I, there's not much that a 45 minute walk can't solve is what I always say. There's not much that you can't work out on a 45 minute walk. At least the frameworks of things. And you can let, and of course time will have to play into much more deeper matters. But suffice to say in this situation, I will have a conversation with her, letting her know exactly how I feel. Absolutely regardless of whether that means we perpetuate or not, regardless of whether there's an outcome that persists us or not. That's really important to note. It's really important to note for your own sanity. It's really important to note for the communication between you and her. So you could have a true friendship. So you could have a true connection that doesn't have uh, bugs and weeds festering underneath the rocks. So that every rock gets turned, every rock is cleaned. We can sit on every rock any day, all day, every day. I'm just wondering, I just I think we're probably here. I think we're here. I think we've reached and we can hit a summary on this podcast now. But um, let me say this. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful driving that car to the beach, reflecting on the entire experience. So grateful. Number one, that I don't have any regrets in life. I could have not had that experience last night and postponed it till Friday. And it might, who knows what it would have gotten in the way, gotten in the way in between then and now. Who knows if she would still be alive or if I would be alive. We're all going to die someday. I know that sounds like very dramatic and extreme, but this is something that I heard recently, which is just a game changer of a perspective. You never know whose day is their last. Every day you walk down the street, every day you walk down the beach, every day you hit the gym, every day you go to work, go to uni, go to school. Every day is someone's last day. You never know who's though. So keep that in mind with all your conversations. Keep that in mind with how you treat people. And it's, I know, it's a little impractical to, before every single time you go to shake someone's hand, hey, this could be this guy might die today. <laughs> it's a little impractical to, to do that. So what I'm just saying is just have bookends. Have a bookend, have a, a book, book start, start of your day, 
that, and let me just remind myself that I need to treat everyone with the utmost care and compassion because it might be the last day. Check, hit myself with that and plant that subconscious seed at the beginning of your day. First thing in the morning, morning routine before you hit social media, before you turn on your phone, you have yourself in the earth, in nature, whether it's in the beach, in the grass, outside in the fresh air, talking to yourself, going through your morning routine, setting yourself up, planting your subconscious seeds, tremendous. And then bookending the day, which you mind yourself as, give me, give me a time, give me an ex- example, a scenario of today in which that I treated someone in the way that I said I would. Give me proof that you actually did what you said you would do using that congruence principle. Oh, yeah, there was that lady that she looked pretty cold, but I said hi to her anyway. Bang. That could have been her last day and you had a meaningful impact on her. Good job. Good job. You'll never see the end of your giving. You'll never see the end of your giving. Why I went into that inspirational rant was exactly because I literally added. I literally added. It's like right there in my mind. So we went through the uh, treating people because it's their last day. Why is it important that it's their last day? Inspirational round. Fuck. Jesus, this has happened twice in this podcast. Today is just that day. I think that's when you know I've been overwhelmed by the love chemicals. I think that's when you know my brain has been toxed by dopamine and oxytocin because it's rare for me to forget one tangent. Like normally in a podcast, if I drop a tangent, I'll normally come back to it within like five seconds. Like I'll remember it. But if I'm dropping it twice, that something's weird. So I think that's because of what happened last night and this morning with this girl. So that's a, it's good proof. Good proof in the pudding. That's okay. We can come back to it. I'm good with rolling things. I'm good with improvising. So we move on anyway. Bookending your days is where we were. We're making sure, oh, just making sure that you treat people with that care, compassion. That's a point in and of itself. Put that point down. Close it, bank it, good, move forward in your life. Summarizing this podcast is really where we were. Regrets. That's why, son. <laughs> yeah, man. Okay. So I just, oh man, I'm so happy. I'm so happy that we did go two for two. So where all of that existential inspirational rant came from was because no regrets. That's why it was so hard to get back to because I barely even touched it. Like I, st- I opened the bamboo framework, but I went into a completely different offshoot. So no regrets. Driving in the car, no regrets. I could have all the time that I could have postponed it until this Friday. She might've been dead. I might've been dead. That's why we went into every day is somebody's last day. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Nothing is better than when you lose a tangent and you find it and you get it back. Oh, man. <laughs> So that was the core decision. I, I don't ever want to live with regrets. I never want to live thinking that even if it means that, yes, my workout this morning was going to be delayed. My movement was going to be delayed. I have to change the routine. My morning routine was going to have to be done at the beach instead of immediately on the grass. I was likely going to, if we did sleep over with each other, it'd be very likely if we even if we didn't have sex at night, we may have had sex in the morning as we were very likely to do back when we were spending a lot of time with each other. So that might've been there. Even if it wasn't, I still would have been delayed. Um, like not that I was expecting that, but it's definitely a potentiality. So there's going to be a lot of things going off here. I might have a very shit sleep. There's a lot of reasons not to go to her place last night, but then look at look at all of the positive benefit that came as a result. The, final, the finalization of our conversation about 
really truly testing the depths of who we are now in relation to each other, the reconnection, the rebirth of the love between each other. And I'm not just talking about the 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 emphatic love. I'm not talking about the the fiery love. I'm not talking about the passion or the, the phoenix love. I'm talking about the eternal love, the love that exists on the thread between her and I, that care for each other. Is that care, does she care for me? I mean, that's a question that subconsciously exists that would that I feel like I have a very good answer to now. It's not finalized. I still need to spend more time with her, but all of the signs point in the direction of, it looks like she actually does care for me. It's just that she didn't know how to express that properly before. And so her version of caring for me was to push away from me because she didn't want me to receive that state of her being so depressed and lacking passion for life, not realizing how much that hurt me, to not understand that that's what she was going through and just to just feel like it was probably left me to my own devices, whether it was my fault or whatever. There were so many positive benefits of maybe I produce this content, finishing the saga, finishing the story. You know, there may be a part four. Something miraculous would have to happen to create a part four, but this really is why these three episodes together are really a instructional course on how to fall in love, how to have your love destroyed, and how to reconnect the love. Like, that's what this is. I have no idea what I titled episode three, but this saga, it's like the saga of love, the journey of love, I'm not sure what I'm going to title this this like episode, this series of episodes, but I can't wait to look back on these. This is like a it's like a trilogy of the Lord of the Rings type thing, and because I know a lot of you got benefit from episode one and episode two, so hopefully you got a lot of benefit from this as well. And I feel like I've done a pretty good job of wrapping up this key, the key points, the key uh, lessons from it. If you want to just a really really fine point on it, which is that always be always be willing this year. This is it. This is the, the quintessential lesson if you were to look at all of them put together, which is never shut the door on anyone. Never shut the door on yourself and never shut the door on anyone. People can surprise you in so many ways in both directions. People can disappoint you. People can light you up. People can show you a level of love that you never even thought possible. For if you had shut the door on them, surely they could not have. I'm still yet to fully process all of this, but it's just amazing to me how if I ever went dark on myself for a second, which is to go dark on her, I could have said that in reverse. I could have said if I ever went dark on her, which essentially would have been getting dark on myself, because surely if you turn the light out on someone, you turn the light on yourself. That's what people don't realize, that when you get dark on someone else, you get dark on yourself. You're only projecting the darkness within you. You must always hold light and hold compassion for all beings. For surely we are all saved of our suffering by maintaining that light. Feeling that light from within ourselves, exporting that out to others. That's a meaningful life. It's a meaningful life. So, I thank you all for being here along this journey. If there is going to be a part four, something miraculous will happen and I will surely make it if it needs to be. But as you can see, there have been months elapsed. This, this journey has been a journey of seven to eight months these three episodes have elapsed over seven to eight months. It's been incredible. And so I thank you for being along the ride of it. I'd love to hear your feedback as always. Drop it down in the comment down below. All the plugs will come after this. But I am I'm just grateful for this moment in time being here. And if even one of you gets benefit from this, then tremendous. So thank you very much. I'm wishing you so much love, peace, and joy.
That's legit. And that brings me to my thanks for all of you. Thank you, first off, for just being here, your presence. But please let me know. Let me know in a comment down below where you are in your lives, how you felt about this, any commentary. I'll do my best to get back as soon as I possibly can. And also, if you did enjoy the content, please hit the thumbs up on the YouTube video. It just helps it get sent out to more people in the community. And if you feel like this would resonate with someone else, please share it to some of your close friends. If you would like to dive into one-on-one -on -one coaching, that's all available on boldojo.com. Guided meditation, free resources of wisdom, free weekly on my newsletter, Bold Sip. Just chuck your email in, comes out every Friday. That's all available, all the links down below. And if you would like to support the podcast directly, you can donate anything that you wish through the PayPal link down below or on the website, boldojo.com in the podcast section. Anything that you guys give is always super appreciated. So thank you very much. Wishing you all the love, peace, and joy in this life.